Chapter 4, Spiritually Speaking. In this chapter, I invite you to take a spiritual perspective on forgiveness and reconciliation in the workplace. To that end, I want to introduce you to Dr. Mark Clark. Dr. Clark has worn many hats over the years. Educator, mentor, award-winning author, national and international speaker, a presenter, evangelist, pastor, musician, human capital expert, gifted photographer, and a serial entrepreneur and business owner. He has presented in over 44 states in America, 30 countries on four continents, more than 4,000 workshops, symposiums, conferences, and organizational gatherings. I am honored to present his perspective on forgiveness and reconciliation in places where we work. Spiritually Speaking by Dr. Mark Clark. So what is reconciliation and how does the Bible define it? Reconciliation from a Christian viewpoint and in Christian theology is an element of salvation that refers to the result of atonement. A definition of reconciliation as it relates to the relationship and the actions of making one's view or belief comparable, like-minded as well as suited with another individual. All of us at one time or another have come to a place of disagreement with someone, a disagreement with a family member, the neighbor next door, a coworker, in the office, a stranger on the street. In many circumstances, we are able to resolve our differences and continue with a normal relationship. In others, however, we agree to disagree and we work at making the best of the circumstances. That's while attempting to forget about it. Nevertheless, there are occasions when a disagreement of sorts never comes to a happy ending or is resolved, and all involved head out their separate ways being hostile and irritated without reconciling their differences. When we have such differences, we should work towards achieving conciliation. Conciliation is the root of reconciliation, which is the art of stopping someone from being angry. When we reconcile with someone, it means that we restore our relationship with that person and that permits us to be compatible and approachable with one another again. There are numerous references in Scripture that speak to reconciliation, from changing from a state of animosity and division to one of congruence and camaraderie. Here are several to ponder and then to apply to your character. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgives you. Colossians 3.13 Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 4.32 So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Luke 17.3 
Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Matthew 5.24 Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Hebrews 12.14 What is forgiveness and how does the Bible define it? The Bible has plenty to say about forgiveness. In the New Testament, the Greek word, aphenomy, as translated, carried a broad range of meanings to include remit a debt, to leave someone or something alone, to allow an action, to abandon, to desert, and even to divorce. Forgiveness literally means to let go. As when a person that is owed something, like a payment for a debt, does not pursue or collect the payment, the debt is canceled. An example of an act of forgiveness is found in Matthew 18, 23-27. Therefore, the king of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceling the debt, and let him go. Forgiveness recognizes that life is muddled, messy, chaotic, jumbled, and unpredictable. Forgiveness requires the forgiver, the person that has been mistreated, hurt, or affected, to come to the realization that the offender the person who caused the mistreatment or the hurt is just like themselves, a human being. Human beings are fallible and at times act in poor judgment and make flawed decisions. Deep within the forgiver, compassion must live in order to truly display forgiveness. David White, the English poet and philosopher, wrote, Stranger still, it is that wounded, branded, unforgetting part of us that makes forgiveness an act of compassion rather than one of simple forgiving. True forgiveness that radiates from the heart can actually bring restitution and autonomy. It is an empirical way of stopping the hurt of the past from defining the path of the future. We begin to forgive others when we consciously censure resentment and let go of any claim to be compensated for the discomfort and anguish, hurt and loss that we have suffered. The Bible teaches us that the best source of action to take when it comes to forgiveness is to extend unselfish love. This is the basis for true forgiveness. 
since love does not keep account of injury. Love is powerful, for it states in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. According to a study by CPP Inc., publisher of the Meyer-Briggs Assessment and the Thomas Kilman Conflict Mode Instrument, United States employees spend 2.8 hours per week involved in conflict. In monetary terms, this amount is approximately $359 billion in work hours paid that are filled with conflict instead of worker productivity. In production terms, this figure is the equivalent of 385 million days on the job going towards quarreling and disagreeing as opposed to working towards building alliances and partnerships. Further stats on workplace conflict are stunning. 85% of workers say they experience some kind of conflict while on the job over such things as communication failure or problems, contradictory priorities and work objectives, personal and pride clashes power struggles, personal styles over business tactics and game planning strategies, competitive jealousy, belief over their values and their lifestyle choices. Did you know that 49% of workplace conflict occurs as a result of self-egos? 34% of workplace conflict is the result of high levels of internal stress. 34% of workplace conflict happens among workers while on the front line. 33% of workplace conflict is due to unrealistic workloads and timeframes. 29% of workers nearly always experience conflict while on the job. 27% of workers have seen personal attacks rise from conflict. 25% of workers have witnessed sicknesses and absenteeism rise due to conflict. 12% of workers state they often see conflict among senior management. And 0.09% of all workers have seen assignments fail because of workplace conflict. How does forgiveness and reconciliation benefit everyone in the workplace? When someone with whom you associate with at work hurts you, puts you through a traumatic and distressing experience, either emotionally or physically, it is easy to hold a grudge and a rage and a resentment, even our thoughts of retaliation. And holding on to those emotions can only lead to possessing an unforgiving attitude 
one that has no interventions of ever coming to a place of reconciliation. Such an attitude can only spawn anger and bitterness into all new experiences and into every current and future relationship. It will cause one to have continuous anxiety and bouts of depression. Life, its purposes, and meaning will lose its value. So, is it not advantageous to embrace the thought of forgiveness and reconciliation and move forward? You bet it is. How does a person get to a place, the mindset, that will bring about fruitful forgiveness and reconciliation? Well, it starts with a firm obligation to a personalized process of change. Step one is recognizing the value behind forgiveness and reconciliation and how, by applying them, they will improve your life. Step two will be a challenge. Identify what healing needs to take place, who needs to be forgiven, and for what. Then act. Step three is to focus in on your own emotions. Have they harmed you? How do they affect your behavior? What can you do to manage them better? Step four, that is making a conscious decision to choose to forgive and reconcile with the individual who's offended you. Stop thinking of yourself as a victim and reclaim the control and power the offending person has held over your life. After applying these four and you find that you cannot bring yourself to forgive and reconcile, practice empathy. Try seeing the situation from the other person's point of view. Other options include meditating, praying, or speaking with a mental health provider. A final thought on forgiveness and reconciliation. In his book, Lee, The Last Years, Charles Braceland Flood reports that after the Civil War, Robert E. Lee visited a Kentucky lady who took him to the remains of a grand old tree in the front of her house. There, she bitterly cried that its limbs and trunk had been destroyed by federal artillery fire. She looked to Lee for a word of condemning the North or at least sympathizing with her loss. After a brief silence, Lee said, Cut it down, my dear madam, and forget it. It is better to forgive the injustices of the past than to allow them to remain, to let bitterness take root and poison the rest of your life. To speak to Dr. Mark Clark about presenting at your next event, contact him at mdclark at kih.net or call his office at 270-586-7244.